Welcome to Small Doses. I am here today with Miss Sunny Hawthen of uh, The View and Points of View uh, that we need to hear about and know about. And I just, I feel very lucky and honored to have been able to have just a string of dope, smart, intellectual, because smart and intellectual are two different things, uh, (laughs) black women on this podcast, uh, you know, and you help round out this conversation that I've been having. It's basically a long conversation about the now of things. And so Sunny is a parent, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm over here like flailing about just because of I have a dog, but (laughs) you know, you have, I'm peer struggle, Sunny, peer struggle, but (laughs) Sunny got children. And I just thought it would be interesting to talk about the uniqueness of raising children in this time and of and of them and like how they're different because of the time we're in not and not just like the fact that we're in an uprising and a pandemic but also just the fact that shit is different yo mm-hmm. uh they have technology that we don't have they have access that we don't have and they have insights that we don't have. And so I was just, yeah. I just wanted to have a conversation with a parent who is, cause I know we got a lot of parents listening right now that are like, this shit is real. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, so I wanted to just have a real, you know, conversation with you about, mm-hmm. about what that's like. Cause I, I'm not a parent, but we need the kids. Yeah. And it is different. And let me say, I feel you on the dogs. Cause I got two dogs. I got a cat and I got 15 chickens. So I get the whole fur baby thing too, uh, but have, have, trying to raise kids now um, in this era, this Generation Z is very different because they are a different group. I mean, I never realized how different they are, but as my son entered teenhood, teenager mm-hmm. um, hood, I realized how different they are. And I think they're different for a couple of reasons. They're different because, as you mentioned, they've got so much information at their fingertips, right? When I was coming up, I didn't have that kind of information. I mean, I had to look in an encyclopedia. I had to go to the library. And I relied on my parents. I relied on their wisdom. I would read the newspapers. Mm -hmm. I would watch 60 Minutes, that kind of thing. But most importantly, I relied on their wisdom. Now, you know, unless they respect you and respect who you are, uh, and consider you not only their parent, but also their confidant, they, I think our parents used to worry about us going to our little friends, right? And getting information. They don't even need to do that. They just go to the web and they start looking up all kinds of stuff. And um, unfortunately, their brains are so malleable and so young and a little dumb that they start, you know, not, looking at the sources. They just don't look at the sources. And so, you know, my son is living with a lawyer, a journalist, and a doctor. And he tries to school us 
on medicine, <laughs> law, and media. It's unbelievable. And it's, <laughs> it's extremely frustrating, you know, when we try to tell him, well, what's the source? Which, what, how, did, how do you know that? And he literally sometimes thinks he knows better. He thinks he knows better. And it's, 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 and it's very frustrating because you want to say, because I said so. Um, but for this generation, and because if my parents said that, right, that, that's the end that's of the it. conversation. It's over. Um, and because we've raised them in a certain way, we can do that. You know, we say, because we said so. He does it. But you can see in their faces that it's really, it's just not sufficient now because they have this information and you don't want to do that. So you, you're, you're almost assured an engagement that sometimes as a parent, quite frankly, you just don't, you don't want to have. So you, you, you do have to parent a little differently. Um, and it, it's a lot of work. Uh, it's always, a, I'm, my mother tells me it's always been a lot of work, but um, unless you want them to rely on the internet um, and their little friends, you've really got a parent. You really, really do. Because what do you there's just a lot of like, dangerous information. When you say you got a parent, because I know that there's been times as an adult where my mom is like shown up different than she mm-hmm. did when I was younger. And I'm like, oh, you parenting today. <laughs> I see. Okay. Uh-huh. You parenting. And mm-hmm. my translation to that has always been like, whenever I feel like she's like meeting me like she's actually hearing me yeah. versus just like, I won't even say dismissing, but just mm-hmm. kind of like patting me on the head kind of thing, you yes. know, like, yes. but I'm also, you know, a grown ass woman at this point. I mean, she, I don't think until the quarantine, she really even admitted that. Um, <laughs> Cause I was home for three months and I had to be like, listen, I know mm-hmm. that there's a gap here. <laughs> but I, it's two grown women in this house now. <laughs> well, so like when you say parent, what do you mean? Yeah, well, meeting them where they are, you know, in the sense that they're not little babies, mine at least, um, either of them, but they're not grown either, but they're mature in terms of the information that they have beyond where I was at that age. I mean, there was no way, my daughter's 14. There was no way at 14 that I had access to the kind of information that she has now about um, what women face, about inequity, about relationships, about sexuality, that I could access other than speaking to my mother or my aunts, or my little girlfriends. I mean, I didn't have that kind of information. She has that. So when she has a question about a boy that she likes, or she has a question about, um, you know, she's an athlete. Um, She had a question about, quite frankly, I think she was uh, 13. She had a question about using tampons to play basketball. And I, but she had already done so much research on it. Um, I wasn't the first 
person that she right. came to. You weren't the first line of defense. I, I, I was not. And I, I was like, she was giving me all kinds of information about toxic shock syndrome and what she used and da 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 And is it, I, I was like, I was sort of blown away by that at the level and the depth of information and maturity. Um, but she still had little girl questions, you know? She still had little girl questions and she still wanted her mommy. Um, just okay. kind of like a gut check. Like, is this okay? How do you feel about it? Um, can I do this in a sense? But she had a wealth of information. And, and, and that's what I mean in terms of it's different. We used to be, I think, our parents used to be the gatekeepers of information. And we mm-hmm. could parent uh, accordingly. We could say, um, you know, children should be seen and not heard. Okay. And, um, get out of grown folks business. Okay. That's not for you to talk about. That's not for you to know. We can't really do that anymore. Um, we can't put our heads in the, in the, in the, in the ground, in the sand. It, it just does not work like that. And my kids are talkers and they're, they question. And especially in today's Today, when you've got a revolution going on, you got a rebellion going on. I'm raising black kids that are privileged, that are culturally different from these kids in the schools. You know, my kids are going to private school with privileged kids of other cultures and means and races and and some of the things that their parents are okay with. I'm not okay with. Um, and Give so, me one. Okay, for example, um, my son asked if he could go, I think he was a freshman, um, and he asked if he could go to a party. And of course, um, I didn't know who the, these, these, this kid was, and I didn't, certainly didn't know the family. And when I was coming up, you couldn't go to somebody's home if you didn't know the family. And I have raised my children in the same way. And so his response was, but everybody's going. Why do you have to know the family? I was like, because I need to know the family. That's, that's the, you know, if everybody's going to jump off of a bridge, you're going to jump off the bridge too. Same thing that, you know, our parents told us. So I said, give me the, the little boy's uh, parents' numbers because I need to know if somebody's going to be at the house. Um, I called the father um, and the father says to me, uh, I said, are you going to be at the house? He said, oh, you're the only parent that has called. So, oh, well, okay. Um, uh, are you going to be at home? Do you know that there's a party going to be in your home? Oh, yes, I'm going to be here. Uh, da, 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 da. I said, are there, do you have any firearms in the home? No, I don't have any firearms in the home. I said, okay. Um, uh, uh, is there going to be liquor, alcohol in your home? Nope, there will not be any alcohol in your home. Uh, are you going to allow uh, drugs in your home, uh, weed smoking, anything of that nature? No, I am not going to do that. Um, sexual activity, you know, door's going to be closed or kids going to be going up into rooms, anything like that. Nope, not at all. I said, okay, what time is this going to be ending? You know, a, a midnight. I thought that was a little too late. I said, okay, well, my son is I Huston, love this deposition. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I, I want to know what's going on. I said, okay, my son's, uh, you know, Gabriel Hostin and um, thank, thank you, please look out for him. Um, he's an African-American uh, boy. Yeah, I want to put it out there. So shows up. Knows his name, knows what he looks like, blah, 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 blah. No problem. Um, my son calls me panicked, probably around 10 o'clock. Hi, mom. I said, hello. Um, people are playing um, beer pong, and some girl just took off her top, and they jumped in the pool, and um, I think you should come pick me up. I said, great. I'm on my way. 
And uh, this other little boy was with him. And he said, and he wants to be picked up too, because I know the other little boy's mother. So I get there, pick him up, bring the other little boy home. And of course, the next day I call the father and I said, hi, sir, this is Gabriel's mom. You assured me that there was not going to be any alcohol at the party. But my understanding is that kids were playing beer pong and that uh, someone took their top off and was in the pool. He said, well, there was no alcohol, but uh, there was beer. What are we talking about? I, I, I don't know. Because in my world, beer is alcohol. But you see, in that gentleman's world, I guess alcohol meant vodka and bourbon and gin and Jameson. So these are the kinds of things that I I have learned to navigate where... And there was another instance where... um, Kids came in with water bottles to my home. And then I got hip to the fact that the water bottles were filled with vodka. Because I don't allow parties with alcohol. Um, And this was my my goddaughter had a party here. So, you know, that was kind of new to me also. So now when I have kids coming over, they also cannot have bottles of water, bottles of anything. I provide everything. So, you know, these kids are, they're up on new things that I would have, one, never dared to do. And two, I mean, it requires real supervision. That's what Um, I was about to say, the hyper-awareness. Yes, yes. Because they're they're on another level. Yeah, but you're on another level as well. So how do you manage, like legit, how do you Mm -hmm. manage? Because... You're being, because literally just by nature of your career, you have oh, to yeah. be hyper aware of the world in a different way mm-hmm. than most folks, right? Absolutely. Then you also got to be hyper aware of, I mean, we're both in a Hollywood entertainment mm-hmm. space that requires yeah. a, a hyper awareness that has you having somebody in the fire <laughs> right now because they yeah. didn't know that Sonny was watching. <laughs> And well, <laughs> so how well, do you, you know, like, how- first of all, I think, um, when you are in public life, it certainly makes it more difficult for your children because they're also scrutinized. So I, I, I do warn my kids, you know, listen, you don't want to be on, on the, in, in page on page six either. So you're held to a different standard also. So if you act a fool, you're you're exposed too, so right. please, you know, respect yourself, respect me, respect your reputation, respect my uh, reputation. But also, um, I, I am I probably very risk averse and cautious by nature, and we do parent in a pretty old school way, um, which is very helpful. And I think what's also helpful is, listen, I got a lot of eyes. You know, I parent by uh, group, a village. My, Yeah. I mean, my mother lives here. I've always had um, either an au pair or a friend's daughter that is in college is living here. (laughs) There's an extra pair of eyes. Um, You know, I always have, I have, I'm very close to my neighbors. I'm in Jack and Jill. Um, I know all of the 
the friends, uh, parents, and we we are a village. Um, and it is not unusual for someone to call and say, you know, Paloma um, and and everybody that they're on a group chat, and this is what's going on. It's, it's just it's not unusual. I mean, we we parent as a group, and that's been very very helpful. Was that me. a conscious decision? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. We parent in a bubble, for sure. Um, and if you're in the bubble, you know that you're being watched by about, you know, by many moms and dads also. Did you grow up like that? I did. I grew up with aunties and cousins, and I, I was just watched constantly. Um, but I'm an only child also. And I grew up in the South Bronx. I grew up in the projects. And project people watch, you know, and you always right, got right, the nosy right. lady, the nosy lady on the eighth floor, you know, person always looking out the window. So I was, I, you know, I, had, I grew up with grandmas and I was watched and um, my kids kind of, they don't like it, but you know, if they act up, everybody in the group knows, everybody in the bubble knows and everybody has something to say and I'm fine when they weigh in. I don't care. Um, you know, if you want to embarrass yourself, then you're going to be embarrassed to, to the entire bubble. And it's fine. Um, you know, no, no secrets. Um, but, you know, right. knock on wood, they've, they've been okay. They, you know, they haven't really done much. Um, but they do question. The other thing I find about this generation, and I think any moms or dads listening, I think they'll agree. Man, they question societal norms. They, they just like when you say, for example, my son says one of his friends, uh, his parents allows him to have his girlfriend sleep over no in the ma'am. house. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I just... Let me tell you something. In high school, <laughs> summer, summer before, summer before college. So I've already so graduated. <laughs> I've already graduated. I'm still a quote unquote virgin. Like I, I was never, I never had boys. Like that was never, mm-hmm. like I was flat chested till I was like a senior in high school. So like boys was never a thing, but I had, I had this boyfriend, Marquise, the Quan Marquise. Um, and Marquise had spent the day, like we spent the day, this is the summer. So every, all, every day we were just hanging out and we were at the house and we would always come to my house and I'm an only child too. So mm-hmm. it's, it's me and my mom and we're watching a movie and my mom, trust me, I never had a curfew. Like mm-hmm. I never, cause I was never like, I think she had, to your point, she had made me understand that like, you're going to embarrass yourself. Yes. You know, you're not. You don't want that. It's not about, it's not about getting in trouble with me. You don't want to embarrass yourself. She would always (laughs) tell me like, your reputation will precede you. So you don't want to have something out there that you did in the past. So you don't have to keep up. (laughs) So, you know, that was very like ingrained in my head. So like, I mean, I just remember sophomore year, I came home at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. I came home at 3 a.m. and I came in my mom's room and she was asleep. I didn't turn the light on. She didn't turn the light on. And all I heard was, well, that's a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Like from the covers, I just heard, well, that's a bit much. 
And that was enough for me to know like, okay, we're going to need to pull the kite in. Mm -hmm. But when Mm -hmm. I was with Marquise this one night, she was asleep and it, you know, it it turned into 2am and he hadn't left. And so we were like, okay, let's just follow, (laughs) like, let's just stay here by the TV and fall asleep, you know? (laughs) And then in the morning, it'll just be like, you know, we just fell asleep. We fell asleep. TV. Listen here. <laughs> That's not a good plan. It's but it's a teenager's plan. But it's a teenager's plan. We've all we been there. woke the next morning. We were woken up to it's time for you to go. It <laughs> is time for you to go. All right, let's get it going. It's time for you to go. We exited, and my mom just glared into my soul. Mm-hmm. And then oh, yeah. didn't talk to me for the rest of the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are the actions of a fast girl. You want to be a fast girl? That's what you want to be? I mean, I, I, the speech, I, I got the speech at the, on the tip of my tongue. That's, that's Let why me I raised, speech. Let me hear the speech. I raised, I raised a fast girl. Fast girl doesn't respect herself. You think he respects you now? This is who I raised? Oh, I would just continue and continue and continue and continue and continue. You want to break, embarrass yourself? You want to embarrass me? You want to embarrass your grandmother? Oof. Wow, this is this is who you are. This is who you are as a person. I mean, it would just, I'd just go on and I, I mean, I would just go on and on and on and on, and it would be like, let's see the next time you have a guest. Let's see the next time you have a guest. I mean, the punishment would be eternal. It'd be eternal punishment. Eternal. I got that speech. Mm-hmm. I got that speech at thirty six. Oh yes, because that speech is, mother- is a, a never ending speech. In some comedy space, I like, (laughs) in some comedy space, I like made an aside that I had eventually lost my virginity to Marquis. And I got a call like at two o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. (laughs) Well, I guess I don't know you. (laughs) Oh, yes. And I was like, what's happening? You lost your virginity to that Marquis. And anytime <laughs> a West Indian parent puts that in front of the person's name, yes. it's oh, yes. like, oh, yes. to that Marquis, I can't believe this is the person I raised. Oh, I thought yes. I had a daughter who was focused on school only to find oh. out you were just hotting and totting all. Co- I'm like, I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. But you're wilding right now. Oh, you're wild and like, and for the Mm -hmm. record, not that it matters, but for the record, (laughs) I did not uh, cross the River Jordan (laughs) with Marquise until Martin Luther King Day, my freshman year of college. Yeah. And not in the house and not in the house, because that's that's on another level of disrespect. In in my opinion, it's like. I don't understand these parents that allow freely this kind of activity in, in the, in the home, the family home, you know, unmarried. In their mind, I it's mean, like, I'd rather you do it under my roof. Than- yes. That, I guess that is the thinking that's the safest place. I mean, I, I just, I don't, you know, I did grow up, you know, strict Catholic and uh, probably with all the Catholic guilt and all that craziness. But I, I just, for me, um, I, I don't understand it. I think it's about teaching rules. I think it's about teaching structure, societal norms, cultural norms, um, self-respect, self-awareness. Your body is your temple. It's a gift. You know, I've, I've got all these, these things. And, um, 
And I've raised my kids within that structure. So, you know, the thought of, you know, my son did ask me, he was like, so would you be okay? You know, if, uh, if I have a girlfriend and, and, you know, she spent the night, I started laughing and, um, my husband was like, you're not serious. Right. And what we asked was, is there anyone in your friend group, any parent that would allow that? And he pointed to this little, little boy's parents. And we were like, well, he doesn't count. <laughs> because <laughs> he's not in the bubble. You know, that ah. family is not part of your peer group. This is, this is, that's an anomaly as far as we are concerned. What about our bubble, right. our group, your, you know, our sorority fraternity, Jack and Jill, our group. Anybody? And he's just like looking at us like, well, no, but like, no. Like he, but, but they challenge those kind of like why, the, the whys of it. And it, it seems to me like it's never good enough to say, because I said so, because it's my house. Um, I mean, it is good enough because that's what we said. But these are our rules when you, when you have your own home. But then when we break it down and say, you know, you're not ready to be a parent. Um, you shouldn't be having sex now anyway because you're not ready for the emotional um, baggage that comes with that, the intimacy that comes with that. Um, you know, we, we had all those discussions, but they, they still don't, I think... I still, I think they question the way things have been done. They tr- question traditional, traditionalism. They they want they want things which done is valuable. It is. It can I mean, be. because we do have a lot of like traditions that are born out of something other than the best interests of the people per se. But I think for me, I get frustrated when I talk to young people who. And that's why I can't imagine parenting a young person at this point. It's like, because their conversation, I mean, shit, just talking about young people. This is, this is the frustration I have talking to people on internet, on the internet. There's oh, yes. so often a conversation being had around an issue that doesn't have the information around the issue. Or the, the historical experience. perspective. The historical yeah. perspective and the experience. Yeah. Like, I remember Lola, Lola Ngunuke, when mm-hmm. I was like, 29, we had, had lunch and I was like, I'm going to have my own, I want to have my own show. She was like, <laughs> and she laughed. I think I was like 28, 29. And she was like, what are you going to talk about? What are you going to talk about? <laughs> and I was like, like I mean, everything. I mean, I, I was like, I have a breadth of information and you know, I, I, I went to school. Like, I just, I want to talk. And she was like, yeah, but what you're talking about is not going to truly be valuable until you have a certain level of wisdom and to go along with the knowledge. Exactly. And she was like, you know, and that's like 35, you know, you start getting into a space where you've actually like lived some time. Yeah. 40s when you don't care what people think about you. 50s. Yeah. Which I'm right on time for. I'm right on time. (laughs) I'll be 40 in less than 365 (laughs) days. But I really like, I didn't fully understand her point until I was around 35 when it was like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm just now in a space where I'm like, I've been here long enough to talk about some shit without it just being theory. Yes. Yes. Theory. 
Yes. And, and that is so very important um, to back up what you're learning with real lived experience um, and failure, right? And failure um, combined with a little bit of wisdom and humility. Um, I, I think I think what's wonderful about um, youth is that you're brave um, and right. you don't, you're not you're not necessarily that humble because you haven't fallen on your face that many times. Um, and, and, and that energy is wonderful. Um, you haven't been smacked down that many times. And even though when you're smacked down, you got to get back up and that in, in and of itself, I think is, is so valuable. Um, but they have this bravado that there's not a lot backing it up other than theory. And sometimes the theory isn't even sound. Accurate. Yeah. It's not even sound. I mean, I, I get into these discussions with my children. One of the discussions that we got into recently, um, they go to a very progressive school. And the discussion was, can Black people be racist? And I was like, that's a great question. I mean, it's, it's, it's a question sociologists have studied for a very long time. And my daughter says, well, race is a social construct. I said, that's true. But what does that mean? What do you mean by that? Right. That sounds good. It sounds really great. What does it mean? Because see, I myself had done a paper on that. So I did a thesis paper on it. So I said, what is it? But they don't know. They didn't know that. So what does that mean? And it was a lot of, you know, not a lot of, a lot of energy, a lot of thoughts. Passion. Not a, oh, Great passion and a lot of arguing. We do a lot of uh, a lot of that in my house, and I encourage it. Right, I'm a lawyer. I encourage okay. that, but not a lot of. Substance. Yeah, no. Oh, some of it was very substantive, but more passion, um, and a, a lack of of sound sound theory and analysis. Quite frankly, just passion, um, and and that's the that's the issue. Um, because it's not combined with real experience and the, um, but I, I love the energy. And the other thing is, you know, boys, especially their brains aren't even fully formed till they're 25. So what do they know? They don't, it's, it's a lot of hormones and emotions. Um, uh, so it's really up to parents to be able to not rein in, not, not stunt that energy. You right. want them to be free thinkers but you can't let them go down the wrong path. Um, and my husband- So how did that and, convo end? Well, um, we didn't reach an agreement. I told them that they need to read White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo, because I think it's a book everyone should read. Um, and that they should look up uh, the definition of racism and they need to think about um, power structures and- um, the difference between institutional racism and systemic racism and definition of racism. And they should look at what bias is um, and the difference. And the conversation was only about a month ago. So I intend to revisit it and see if they, if they really have thought about it. Um, But my husband's issue, and I think a lot of parents um, probably go through this in their own homes. He is more of the mind of shut up and listen. Let me school you about something and he doesn't really want as much of a dialogue as i want he doesn't he doesn't like it <laughs> he doesn't he's like just shut because up. he you feels don't know like talking about right it's like it's not your place to even think you can converse 
Yeah, you, you you shouldn't step to me like that. That's that's what he is. He's like, I'm grown. You're not. Um, I pay the bills. Um, shut up. That's kind of where he is. Um, so I, and I'm not like I'm not like that. Um, so I, I think that goes on in a lot of probably a lot of households where you've got one parent that is more willing to engage and another parent that ultimately just has a different temperament and it's like. Nah, you don't know anything. How has it been with the homeschool? Well, um, you know, my son graduated um, from high school and his last semester since March 11th was home. Um, So it was like he was a second semester senior. So he was done basically. Okay. And the grade, there, there weren't real grades and he was already admitted to college. So there weren't real grades. It was uh, credit or no credit. So, and he's a very conscientious student, but the courses were, you know, I think black film and literature and some other courses. So he, he did fine. My daughter who was graduated from eighth grade and is going to go to high school in the fall, she did not take to virtual learning. Um, she did not like it. Um, she prefers being in class with her classmates. She, she got credit on everything. Um, but it was a real struggle to get her to sit down and sit in front of the computer and do the whole Google class. How did you, how did you do, how did you do it? And I'm, and I'm filming the show. I'm filming the view from the house too. So we literally had to upgrade all of our streaming and internet. Um, cause stuff was crashing. I was, I was going out uh, people that were watching the show. They were like, where, what happened to Sunny? And it was like, Oh, Paloma's on her Google classroom. <laughs> That's why you can't see me. Uh, we had all that going on, but I basically would wake her up in the morning because she was trying to stay up till two o'clock in the morning. Cause she was like, well, I don't really have school. And I'm like, yeah, you do. Um, and I had to, I was on her and I, I, I was basically, you know, back in eighth grade. And it was, I, I don't know how a lot of these parents were doing it because I was sitting with her doing eighth grade homework with her. And it's something that I didn't have to do before because she's a very talented student. They both are. And she was not having it. She was just like, this is stupid. Like, I, and I think in her mind, it was, I'm getting short shrift. And now they expect me to, you know, give them back, you know, an A. I, I don't, th- and, and quite frankly, I did see a disparity in the teaching style, the, the, the methodology and the teaching efforts as well. Some teachers were really good and some weren't that good virtually, you know? I mean, I think that's the reality. It's like some students are good and yeah. some aren't virtually. So like would be some teachers. I mean, it's like, I, it's like even like hosting Cause you know, we were doing the real from home too. It's yes. a different thing. It's a different dynamic. no audience. No. You just, and you're like, it's kind of a mind fuck also to be like in your home space doing yeah. something you do in a studio space that you associate with a certain energy. Yes. So Cause you like don't have the, the energy the at home. It is. You don't have the energy at home. I mean, for me, I have a party in my head most of the time. I think all the time. So, you know, I hear arguments in my head. I mean, I'm arguing with Joe and Megan and Whoopi in my head anyway. They say something all the time. "Mm -hmm." You know, I'm so (laughs) for me, it doesn't change for me. 
Um, but I, I know in speaking to them, they feel a difference. They miss, especially Joy's a comedian, you know, and Whoopi's an actress. She misses the energy um, of the audience. I'm, I'm all right. Um, but I, I think for sure um, you see the difference in a lot of the shows on television and, and a lot of the kids, no question, um, are not, I, I are not doing well. And can you imagine the kids that don't have computers, don't have Wi-Fi, don't have internet access? I mean, there are going to be so many kids left behind. I, I kept on thinking about that because we had the means to go 5G or whatever it is that my husband hooked yeah. up. I mean, we, we had the means to do that. And yet and still, we had problems in our house. I mean, everybody has a laptop here. Nobody was sharing one. Can you imagine that you've got three or four kids and a single mother and one computer? Maybe, maybe one computer. Maybe. I, I, maybe. Um, I, I, I worry um, about those families. I really, really, really worry about it. It's some, something actually that I've been working on, trying to get access and equipment um, for the fall for a lot of underprivileged families, because we're going to have to do it. Because I, I, I think um, to keep families safe, kids are going to have to stay at home and we've got to provide them that, you know, we've got to provide them that access. So. I definitely feel like we're, I'm so curious about these kids because, you know, we just lost John Lewis and oh, he was their age, you know, yes. he was, yeah, yes. 18, 19, 20, like he was in mm-hmm. college, you know, and he was doing these sit-ins and, you know, mm-hmm. the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, like it was kids who were saying like, yeah, I'm, I know I'm gonna get arrested, mom, but I gotta do it. Yes. And, and so I just, I think about that and I think about where we are now and, you mm-hmm. know, for all intents and purposes, we're in a new, we're in a new phase of the same yeah civil rights movement. I think some people think we're in like mm-hmm. some new shit and I'm like, no, 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 it just, no, no. the threat, the thread thinned, but it never mm-hmm. stopped. No, you know, it never and, snapped. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, when you look at your kids that are stepping into new, this new space, like what are they talking about in terms of how they see themselves? Um, well, you know, I've been a social justice uh, advocate for a long time and it, yeah. I, I think it's in my DNA because my parents um, were activists. And so for me, um, it's something I grew up with all around me. And my father always said, you know, he grew up in the segregated South and he tried to bring this Puerto Rican woman with him to Georgia. And my mother's, you know, got blonde hair and hazel eyes. And so that didn't really go well. KKK burnt a, uh, a, uh, a cross outside of their little home. So, uh, that's how I ended up living in the Bronx. Um, so he always reminded me that I was the first person in his family that enjoyed full civil rights and I'm only 51. And at the, when he told me that I was in my forties and, and he said, allegedly enjoyed full civil rights. And so I knew that I had to instill in my kids that the struggle was very real and that since they are the second generation of our family that allegedly enjoyed civil rights, that they need to ensure that 
that that is a real thing that it's, you know, um, and that it really is still under attack. So my kids are very active. Um, you know, they've gone on Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter protests. My son actually was involved in a sit-in at his school that got a lot of publicity uh, last year, which I was actually, um, I was so proud about it, but I was nervous for him because he was in the middle of applying to colleges. And, you know, this was pre-George Floyd and he's, he's locking up the administration building at his school and he's on the cover of daily news. And I kept what on was thinking, the cause? uh, racial injustice on campus. Um, he felt that, uh, there, there were some watermelons left at one of the deans in one of the dean's offices and, and the N word was on a videotape of, of, uh, <laughs> uh, talking to some kids were talking about one of his, um, teammates and and he was like Mm-mm, it's not going down like this and uh, they 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 sat in and they 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 started real institutional change at the school real systemic institutional change was implemented as a result of it and he wrote about it in his college essay and when he interviewed at Harvard they brought it up and i was i was concerned about it and it ended up being a distinguishing factor for him. So I think that his activism and my daughter's activism has been um, received really well. Um, and that was last year um, or a year and a half ago. So I, I do think that, um, you know, this generation is in the perfect place to have inherited John Lewis's um, legacy. but. I am so angry, if I'm being honest, that there's this much work that still needs to be done. Like, I'm, I'm really angry about it. And I hate to be the angry Black woman all the time that people talk about on The View. But it's like, I'm just angry that, you know, people talk about me. But I'm just, I'm angry that we're here. So, girl, I became the you I am. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> People always make that comparison. They That's just brought another blonde, light skinned chick over there. It's <laughs> a bad to just honor. be mad. <laughs> it's 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 just it's so urgent. It's like why are we here? Um, and it's I a understand. Righteous anger. It is a righteous anger. I just I I, I don't understand that. I've got a father who is still alive, who's only in his 70s, and he, his, he can trace his lineage back to slaves and sharecroppers and, and colored water fountains, right. and, and our vote is still being suppressed. I mean, he couldn't have married my He married my mother a year after the loving decision. I mean, this is not something that is so old. I mean, I know this is a young country, but come on. You know, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm angry that my 17-year-old has to start a sit-in at his school for racial injustice. It, it angers me, but it is, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm however, very encouraged um, that a re- I think it's a revolution that's happening, and I'm 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 encouraged by that. Absolutely, 
How do you stay encouraged when they frustrate you? <laughs> the kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Because um, I just think, and the reason I asked is because I know a lot of Black mothers in general, it's like there's so many, we had Tika Sumter on the show and she did a side mm-hmm. effects of Black motherhood episode. And <laughs> she was talking about how like, the amount of mental work that she has to do just considering her child in the world as a black child is, yes. is, is one. She was like, that's mm-hmm. one level of exhaustion. She was it like, is. but then just dealing with a kid mm-hmm. who is being a kid. She was like, mm-hmm. that's a whole other yes. thing. Like trying to reconcile all of that is, and her child is like two. Oh, it's exhausting. So <laughs> it, gets hard. it gets harder when they get older, actually. If someone told me that, but I you get, believe it. But you get told as a, I just feel like a lot of black mothers just feel like they can't speak to their frustrations because then it looks like you're like giving up on your kid or like you're not yeah. strong, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, I love being a mother. Um, I will say that I, I, I love it. It's, it's my most important job and it's my most fun job. I have a great time. Anybody that looks at my Instagram and sees our family fun night and our game night, we, we really, we have a good time. Um, so the, the frustrating moments are few and far between if I'm being honest, but I will say this, um, I think it's when you are raising a black child and you know the world that they have to enter into because um, it's the world that you grew up in. And again, there's a long way to go for them. I really think that you have to show them so much love and encouragement because they are going to be torn down um, in the world. So even though it's, they are frustrating at times, they're kids. And I think as what I try to do is I try to bury that frustration, meet them where they are. And, um, yes, punish them when they need to be punished, um, and instruct them when they need to be instructed. Cause that, that protects them ultimately. Right. Um, but I, I really just try to shower them with love and affection and cocoon them um, and show them what is right and wrong, but but nurturing is really important for black children because the world is not going to treat them fairly. Right. And I think at their core, they need to have the confidence um, to f- and and that kind of love to fall back on. I always remember, you know, my. My father and mother, they just in, instilled in me that I was smart, I was talented, I was loved. So when I went out into the world and people would call me unattractive or ugly or, you know, I would be like, or not, not as smart, I'd be like, well, hmm, what kind of crazy juice are they drinking? Because I'm <laughs> fantastic. You know, like I, just, I never would believe that because I was built up. So it's, it's always been very difficult to tear me down because I, I walked out into the world built up. And I, I really think as Black parents, it's really important for us to do that. So whatever frustrations we have, we, we got we to gotta handle those as adults. We, we've got to mm. send out into the world real strong, confident, powerful um, 
black young adults and and kids even you know because i mean we they're just treated differently in school they're treated differently at camps they're treated differently in the world so that that's really my philosophy so before we wrap this up do you have a do you have a message to the mothers and fathers who are raising Gen Zers, because I feel like I hear about this, the <laughs> uniqueness of the raising yeah. of the year and yeah. the journey of that. Do you have yeah. any words of support or wisdom? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, um, they, they are different. Um, they have a lot of information. My, uh, and as parents of a Gen Zer, you have to meet them where they are. You've got to have the same information or more and bring to them your wisdom, your experience, and your understanding because we were where they are. We were there. And you can't forget it. Um, They're just operating with more information in a really difficult time. And I also think that uh, self-care is really important. Uh, I'm not really good at it. If I'm being honest, you know, I put, I put them in front of me, um, which I think, I think parenting has to be a selfless act. Um, but I, I, my husband and I do try to take out time to nurture our marriage, um, to, even if it's just to take a, a, a mile walk, just the two of us, when they get on our nerves, when we're about to curse them out. We're like, want to go for a walk? Yep. (laughs) Grab your mask. Uh Uh-huh. Let's go. Because um, I think it's important to care for your relationship, care for yourself, um, so that you can give your best to them. That's my message. (laughs) (laughs) The sit back. The sit back. And and, um, keep keep your girlfriends... um, and friends close, keep that bubble close. Cause it does take a village. Cause as you mentioned earlier, you know, we got that chat, we got a thread of powerful girlfriends and um, y'all keep me so sane sometimes. Um, so that, that, <laughs> that kind of thing but is, I, is also important. I will very often just see a one liner from you pop up. I'm like, Oh God, I got to drop in. I'm going down. Something's going down. It'll just be a one-liner. And let me tell y'all, Joy and Sunny are in our chat and they be momming me and I be loving it. My only child, perfectionist. I'll tell a story. They're like, that was a great story, Amanda. That was a fabulous story. We were riveted the whole time. Like, thanks guys. Approval. The comedian only child in me needs all of that. Like, yeah, good boy, good boy, yeah. So that's why with me with the dog, I'm like, oh, actually, we love hey. you. We love you. You're fantastic. So thank y'all so much. <laughs> and thank you for and thank you for continuing to just be, you know, that voice. I mean, I I just remember a moment on the view where I just I sent you a DM and I was just like, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I, I, I I don't because again, you would have righteous anger to be like, you know what? And, and I'll just see you sometimes take a breath 
Yes. And you'll just choose yeah. to do the argument in your head. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I know some people feel like, some people feel like, you know, as black women, like they'll pat us on the back, like, oh, you handled that so calmly. Or, you know, just I commend you on your grace. And I try and get away from that because it's not the, because to me, it's like that congratulation when I'm saying it is more about like, yo, kudos for you for not letting that ridiculous person, <laughs> you know, disrupt your peace. But, but yeah. if they had also, it would be like, congratulations to you for getting them, <laughs> you know, gathering them. Because I just think so often we're expected to like show our maturity by mm-hmm. our ability to like let shit slide. Like, I feel like right. that oftentimes kind of gets positioned. Like your will, your ability to just kind of be unbothered. And when you talk about like how you're, you're so mad, it's like, yeah, but some of this shit requires anger. Yes. And I, I think that, um, for far too long, we have been pigeonholed. Our righteous anger has been pigeonholed and described not as righteous anger, but as almost this wild disruptive anger. And I refuse to have a platform and have it um, described in that way because I know that I represent us all. And so I take, and you know from our chats that I can go there. Um, The Bronx, baby. I can go there. And, um, but I think it's very important to show people that you can attack with your mind and you can attack gracefully with class and still strike the same blow and show people that this is how we as black women can operate. Um, and I that is very important that, to me. Where people get it wrong, though, is that they think that that's not also anger. Exactly. And, and it's it, like, and no, it is. It's refined. It's just it's refined. Just ref- it's, it's refined, refined. rage. It's just refined. And I, I oftentimes think it's more effective. I, I, I really do. And, um, well, I know it is. It I is, it but is. I do feel like sometimes people need to know, though, like if that it, you can go there because mm-hmm. you people, need your machete. You need your machete. Is there? Listen, I have a cutlass <laughs> tattooed on my foot. <laughs> yes, because we always have to remember we're fighting a violent people. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the amount of violence that has been committed against us and our children is unfettered. And so it's like- There are secret police. There are secret police, um, uh, you know, tear gassing a wall of moms. And that's In Portland. Yeah, that's real. Um, But again, you know, there are ways to be righteously angry um, and that can be very effective. And that's what I try to do 
every single day. Come prepared, stay elegant, stay classy, and and um, and explain to people what's really going on. Right. Well researched. Um, I, I just I think that's very important because people listen to that. Um, they listen to it. You know, and We're the message listening. is important. The message is important. You got to get that information out there. Hence why we are here with small doses. <laughs> small uh-huh. doses. <laughs> the last dose. Thank you so much, Sunny, for joining us. And Thank good you. luck with them kids, with them cheering. Oh, you know? geez. It's Oof. about to be another school year. So, oh my God. I know. Ninth grade. Know. <laughs> Ninth grade and first year college. It's going to be interesting. So is your son, <laughs> is he, is he going to start this year? Cause I know a lot of kids are like taking gap years and he, he is, uh, Harvard has decided to have, uh, the first uh, year all virtual and he's also a track athlete and they're not going to have sports. So he is going to take a gap year. Um, and we're trying to figure out what that looks like now. And um, it, it's going to be interesting yeah, for him. The gap year is like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to scuba dive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to look like that for him. Um, and he may be he may be working in politics, and he may be uh, uh, doing some some other interesting things. But um, I think uh, Paloma is certainly going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting and challenging year for her. Quite frankly, um, I'm going to be on her case, so she better get ready. I'm going to be in ninth grade again. <laughs> I'm going to be in ninth grade again. I'm in ninth grade. Everyone, I'm freshman. in ninth grade. I'm a freshman in high school again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to sit right next to her too. Yeah, <laughs> I can I'm see all it her in teachers. your eyes. <laughs> I'm knowing all her teachers. Yep, algebra, here I come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. I'll see you in the group chat. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you again. A podcast network.